Welcome back to Untold Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Sabanji. Thanks for tuning in again. Our first season story, A Good Boy, is continuing where we left off last week. If you remember, I finally landed in Toronto and I've gotten to meet David face to face for the first time. And he turned out to be slightly older than what he told me, or at least appears to be older than what he told me. And as I tell you this episode, it's um, snowing outside, it's a very cold February night. It's about minus 20 with wind chill, that's Celsius for US people out there. Um, but I feel like it's the perfect setting for this episode that is titled First Winter. It kind of takes me back, I have to say. So I have my beverage of choice, which is surprise, surprise, a glass of red wine. And depending on when you're listening to, where you're listening to this, no judgment. Grab a beverage of your choice, settle back, and you know, let's continue, shall we? Again, this episode is called First Winter. I imagined I'd feel a little different after all of this time, all of this effort, finally standing in front of David. I'd feel happy and content. Instead, I feel confused and let down, I guess, would be the word. But as soon as he says, I am, it's, it's me, David, and I feel the whole weight of the world just is dropped on my shoulders. I feel tired. I feel exhausted from not only the 10 plus hour of flying, but all of the efforts and all of the wanting and all of the trying to get to where I am then and to stand in front of someone who clearly lied to me I feel just dirty and just cheated it's, it's a weird feeling but just like maybe drinking sour milk you know and thinking that it was fresh milk I guess it's just uh, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth and I don't know whether if I should scream at him turn around and walk away somewhere else or just start crying I, I just don't know and he's looking at me like nothing is wrong and while I'm thinking these things he reaches out and grabs me and hugs me and he kisses me on my neck and he says oh my god finally you're here it feels amazing I'm so glad that you're here and inside there is this storm that is brewing in me but all I can say is me too 
And I'm surprised even at myself that I said that. And he looks at me, he's all smiling and happy, and I just try to fake smile a bit. And we don't say much after that, and just he tells me that he parked outside, and we start, you know, wheeling my two bags over to the car. But I intentionally make sure that there is a bag in between us so that we don't hold hands while we're walking. Because that was our dream. Like when, whenever we talk about this moment that we get to see each other for the first time, this is not what, I, what we talked about or what I imagined in my mind. We would be holding hands, hugging, maybe even kissing and just like, walking off to the sunset, you know? But none of those things are happening. And I'm just, you think I would be mad, but I am just done. I'm just, I feel defeated. I don't say much, he doesn't say much, but I look at him quite a lot. I'm trying to examine him, trying to understand how old he could be. Like I said, he told me he was 35. There is no way he is 35. I know that for sure, but at certain angles, he seems like he could be almost 60. And in some angles, he seems like he could be early 50s. I guess I was like looking at him quite a lot. He, after a while, he just says something. He, he goes like, I know I might be looking a little different than my photos. I didn't want to alarm you, but I've been going through some health issues. And I've lost quite a lot of weight. It was nothing really serious, but um, I just had a very bad case of flu. And it just, I couldn't get back to normal and it just dragged on. Of course, when he says that, I feel like an idiot. I feel like the worst person in the world. And all of a sudden, I started feeling sympathetic for him. And I started saying things like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, how are you? Is everything okay? And I feel so bad that I, here I am judging this man that is, you know, like from our chats and everything is like my dream man. And I'm finally with him. And this dreamland I should be not this diva that is judging him I should be accepting and loving I feel so bad and by that time we get to his car and he had a 95 Dodge neon I believe it was neon it was um hunter green like a darker green so I was very disappointed with the car, and here's why. In Turkey, cars are everything. Again, I'm 21, I'm gay, but I'm male. I'm, I grew up with males and, you know, just... Car is a status symbol, it's power. It's like the better car you have, the more men you are, you know? and. And I, I had a BMW back home and um, just seeing his 95 model 
kind of worn down car. It's almost like another sort of dagger in my heart. It's weird to say now at, at 40, 41. I don't, I wouldn't feel that way now, but at the time it was just like, I felt so disappointed one more time. And um, he was just like, yeah, it's, you know, we're not too far um, to the airport, so I'll take the highway and we'll be there in no time so you can just relax and take a shower and just we can talk. So he's being obviously very nice to me and like looking back now, I was being very bitchy and I'm just like my face, I'm not having it. I'm not happy. I'm not smiling. I'm, in the car, I'm just looking outside, not talking, not saying anything. I do remember thinking, wow, Canada is like so organized, like the roads. Everybody was following the lines. They were staying within their lines and the distance, like they were following the rules. And Istanbul, where I'm from, is chaotic. Like if you're driving in Istanbul, I believe you can drive anywhere in the world. You have to be, when you're driving in Istanbul, you have to be multifunctional. You have to check your phone. You have to sing to the song that is playing on the radio. You have to yell at the person that's trying to cut you off. And you have to look out on, like, all, all the time in your rear mirror and like side mirrors. All the time you have to look to make sure nobody's like making crazy moves. Like you always have to be alert. And David was driving so comfortably. Everybody was like following the rules. I, I thought, wow, this is like, this is what civilization must feel like. And I remember looking at cars around me and they were all very much simple, I would say. Like nothing fancy, nothing like no big trucks like you would see in US or anything like that. Everything seemed a little more practical, I guess is the word. And he lived in Mississauga. So anybody who is from Toronto or surrounding GTA knows how close it is from from airport to Mississauga um, it's technically our airport is in Mississauga but sorry to say but Mississauga is also the pretty much the most bland part of GTA greater Toronto area <laughs> so I'm just off the plane thinking that I'm coming to this dreamland of culture knowledge and businesses with my dream man who is a strapping 35 year old guy um, with like the most amazing car ever <laughs> and I'm in a car with possibly a 55 year old guy in a 95 model Dodge Neon driving down a very organized road to the blandest and the most basic of neighborhoods. I even look around for any brand names that I can recognize. Again, like coming from Turkey, shopping is one of the main attractions to come to North America. Like buying Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, or 
Calvin Klein, any type of like North American US brands in Turkey is very expensive. So a t-shirt here that is like $30, there would be like $130. So I'm, yes, I want to visit David and live this gay lifestyle, but I also want to shop and I don't see any malls that are on our way or I don't recognize any of the brands, like even the coffee brands. I'm, I'm like, where's Starbucks? And there was just like Tim Hortons, Second Cup and Timothy's and brands I've never ever heard in my life and even McDonald's they there was not much it was Harvey's and you know not even Walmart there was like Price Chopper or Shoppers Drug Mart I've never heard of these names and it all seems a little made up to me in a way like a toy land you know and even the logos I feel like it's trying to be not too loud or too flashy it's almost like Canada is giving me a taste of what I know now to be true that we're not these um, I guess flashy or overwhelming crowd of people we we're always sort of like this polite sort of undertoned people who are more practical so I was getting that taste and I was disappointed because that's not what I imagined it to be at all and I remember finally pulling up to his um, building and um, it, it, it is, it's still there. It is um, maybe 20 story building. It was this white color that's like off-white. And I remember like seeing these um, metal protectors of the balconies, like the edges. and. I didn't realize there were balconies because they were inside. They were not out. Like in Europe, all the balconies are out, like a terrace, right? You don't have these balconies that are hidden in the building. And I remember thinking, this is like communist Russia. Like this is like when they make buildings for war that you can't be bombed or you can't be, you know, if there's nuclear war, you can just like shut everything down and you can just be safe. I remember vividly feeling that way. So again, I'm just like looking at it and he's like, here we are. And I'm thinking, this is the building? This is the neighborhood that we're going to be living in? I'm having my diva moment and I just, I'm just not happy. And it's probably because everything else and mainly because he lied to me and I'm just like in this bad mood. But oh, I, I was just so sad. And... um we parked and I got out of the car again I have this beige corduroy jacket that does nothing for warmth it's just there and I get out of the car and the cold the brutal cold just hit my face and it just dries up my skin instantly I feel I shiver right away and I'm shaking from the cold and I just let out a sigh. I'm just like, oh. And David just runs from the driver's side and gives me his scarf. And he holds my hands and in between his hands and starts blowing on them to make me warm. 
such a sweet thing to do, right? And I'm just looking around all like disappointed and he's like, I know it's colder than you probably are used to. Do you think you're ready for your first winter in Canada? And I look around and I say, uh, I guess so. But I remember feeling nothing, nothing but regret. And I felt so alone in the world. I never felt this lonely. I'm so far away from my hometown, from my family. A strange guy is holding my hands and I'm looking at this cold land of practical, functional buildings that are not architecturally beautiful. And I'm thinking, I'm going to spend three months here. And I felt like I made the worst mistake of my life. And I gotta say, for the first time, I had no one but myself to blame. Sorry, was that loud? That's what I was waking up to every morning at 7.25 from David's radio alarm clock. David wouldn't even be like needing this alarm because he automatically gets up around 6.45 and starts getting ready, you know, showering, shaving and all of that and having breakfast. So not only it annoyed me because it was loud, it also annoyed me because he actually didn't need it. And I felt like he was leaving it on, so I wake up. And this is like my third day in Toronto. I'm jet lagged. I'm upset. I'm disappointed. I'm having my diva moment. And David is trying to sort of like whip me up to shape. And I'm just like pissed. He gets up, like I said early, and gets ready, and when this alarm comes on, he comes to the bedroom, gets dressed, and then comes over to talk to me and hug me and try to lean in for a kiss, and I always turn my cheek and I don't kiss him on the lips. Again, this is like my third day, it's Wednesday. And um, nothing happened between us yet. And I think he's being patient, but the patience is running out. Um, he's, you know, having, telling me things and here and there he's like hinting how he wants it. But I don't want it at all. I'm, I'm pissed, I'm upset, I don't feel like I'm attracted to David anymore. And it's not just because of his age or looks, it's just the whole idea of feeling tricked into this. But I don't know what to do. Like, I can't just go back. He bought me the plane ticket. I have three months uh, till, you know, first week of January, I think it was. Um, so I have three months that I have to be here. And now I have a school to go to and I can't get my money back. So I'm conflicted. On one side, I do want to just say, F 
fuck it and just go home. But on on the other side, I feel like, you know what? Like, I'm already here. I mean, if I tell David that I don't want to do anything, I just want to be friends, he's not going to, like, rape me. Um, I can just, like, be in Toronto, see Toronto, and maybe the school will be fun. I'll get to meet people around my age or younger, and I'll get to see the city. So I, I'm, I feel like I can do it and live here for a bit and see Toronto and I'll because I don't think I'll ever come back right so I said take the opportunity maybe seize the opportunity and just go along with it and there's not much I can do during the day anyways I just relax and watch TV a lot there's internet but it's he was paying by the minute or hour, I can't remember, but it was limited. Like, if you go over it, he would have to pay extra. And so I was only allowed to go on to check mail and, you know, maybe check news and all of that. So it wasn't like a convenient thing that I could do. It's my third day, but by now, I know that David is very organized and has a very strict routine. Like I said, he wakes up, he shaves, he showers. And, um, but also like everything in his house is very organized and minimalist. He doesn't have a lot of stuff, but the stuff that he has, it's very like, let's say his socks, they were color coordinated. His underwear was like in the order of weeks, like, I mean, the days of the week. So he would know which one he's going to wear that day. His t-shirts and jackets, everything is also color-coordinated to the point where it's like light brown to dark brown. Like you, when you look at it, it looks like a store. It was... When, you, when I think about it now, it was beautiful, actually. And there was no specks of dust anywhere. He was so clean, so organized, and he didn't have a lot of stuff, which was new to me because back in where I... Where I'm from and my home, we have a lot of flashy big things that to show off people. And David is like the opposite of those. Even like in the fridge, it sounds weird now, but everything is like portionized. Like he would have these little carrots that would, let's say there would be 10 carrots, not 11, 10, two for each weekday that he would take it home uh, to work and um, like at night if we're having in the evening if we're having meatballs if I'm having eight meatballs he's having eight meatballs there's 16 meatballs there's not 17 18 it's just 16 meatballs and um, he knew ahead of time what we're having like he would plan it he said Sundays for the whole week and we know what we're doing and um, during the day, he would um, record Young and the Restless. He loved that show. And um, like he would come home from work, he would have a piece of butter, a piece of bread with butter, and um, like as a snack, sit down, relax, and take a nap. And then he would wake up, we would have, um, we heat up the dinner together and have it and we have up till 8 to eat everything 
and eight he would watch the news and then i think there was a show after that whatever the show of the day is from eight to eight thirty he would watch that and from eight thirty to nine he would just watch his shows and he allowed himself to have one piece of cookie it's one of those like white cookies with jelly and on top of it and like a little cream like a cream sandwich <clears throat> he would have that every day but one of them he would never have to he told me saturdays are like cleaning days sundays church and then he would go to a restaurant to treat himself like he has this routine and he's slowly making sure that i understand this routine and i can't go out of it and i have to leave everything as as it is like even if i move the pillows a little bit or if the towel is hang a little differently he would be upset like he would raise his voice at me he would be like why are the towels this way why did you not fluff the pillow and to me it was so strange i just it's not what i'm used to and i got quite upset after a while actually because of this and um but again like third day and i'm just thinking this guy is so different than i imagined and um and he's very different than what i'm used to like where i'm from if you're a guest at someone's house you can have anything you want in the fridge you can't just say you can have one tomato you know what i mean it's just it's weird to me anyways <clears throat> so during the day i have nothing to do but watch tv and just read some magazines and i can't really walk anywhere it's so cold but there is a park very close by you have to cross the um, parking lot to get to it but it's still close by there's like a swing and there's Can canadian goose that i've never seen before but um they're vicious animals but they're quite beautiful to look at and that's what i do i go and feed them breadcrumbs and and you shouldn't be seeing canadian goose or geese at this time of the year because they should be you know flying away so when i heard that someone said that to me and i felt like oh they're stuck here like me they're having to go through the winter here like me so i kind of related to them and so yeah that was fun every day to feed them um i think it was like thursday or friday i can't remember but whatever day it was i remember during the day after my walk to the park i came back home and i pour myself a big glass of orange juice and he had these plastic glasses i still remember this day because of what happened after but he had this plastic glass that had daisies on it like from 70s i guess it was quite pretty actually so i pour it in to that gl uh, glass and i i started walking towards the living room to sit down and drink it while watching tv and then i trip and this glass just flew across the room towards the entrance hallway and just hit the wall and just splashed everywhere orange juice everywhere on the floor on the walls and i'm so panicked because i know how neat and organized and clean david is and if 
there's any marks, he's probably going to be super upset. So I just go out and grab some towels and start wiping it right away. That's when I notice that there must be a slight angle on the floor. It's uneven. Because the, you know, the pile of orange juice um, that is on the floor is sort of like flowing towards the exit door and taking a slight aim towards the um, closet that was right there where we hang our jackets and on the floor we had our shoes inside the closet but so I start wiping there too but it's moving quite fast it must be a quite of an angle and some of the oranges went under the closet door so I open it and um, <clears throat> I open it and I start wiping it and as I'm wiping I realize the floorboard is one of the pieces of the floorboard is loose so it actually when I'm wiping it it starts making sounds like it's moving and um, I felt like I discovered like a hidden compartment all of a sudden and I get so excited and I try moving the floorboard and all of a sudden it lifts up and underneath there is a red shoebox and I take it out and I slowly open it. I opened that shoebox with my heart in my mouth. I was so nervous. I I was shaking. I I couldn't believe that I found a hidden compartment in his closet and I'm about to find out what's in these in this shoebox. And I open it and there's like two envelopes. Yellow A4 size envelopes. They're not sealed but they have like a little tape on them so I take one and I open it the first one is not that exciting there's some old money and postcards and lots of photos like old photos and I don't recognize anyone I am assuming only that is David's family I see David in some of them, so I'm assuming that's why it's their family, his family. And um, but in one of them, David is wearing this really nice black suit, and he must be like 20s, like early 20s maybe. And next to him, there's this beautiful woman in white. It's like a simple dress, but she is gorgeous, and uh, like she had that. You know Farah Fassad had that hairstyle, like um, it was like that curly hair, it, it was, she was so beautiful. I still, I can picture her even now, this white skin and like beautiful eyes and gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And David was looking pretty handsome as well and they're just smiling and they're posing for the camera. And I turn it around and there's like a little note at the back, it said 78. Krakow and it said David and Lena slob 
so I don't know what those are, but it doesn't sound English to me. I know that there are names, but I don't know what slob is, if it's like a last name or anything. I don't know. And um, I go through more of the pictures, but I don't see anything of interest, so I open the other envelope. And in that envelope, there was like some current Canadian money and, um, and a passport. But not a Canadian one. It was um, like dark red, Bordeaux color, like almost burgundy, I guess. Um, and on it there was like, it was like an eagle sign. And when I opened it, it said passport, but it was spelled with like Z at the end and it said Republic of Poland. And going through the pages, I see David's picture and it said name David, last name Zajac, birthplace Katowice, Birth date, October 1955. But that was not it. There was also a folded up document, sort of tucked in at the one of the last pages of the passport. I unfolded it and I see there's like two pictures on it with two names underneath. One of the pictures is of course David's and the other is that woman and it says Lena on it so I know that it's her and the picture is almost the same. She has the same hairstyle and everything. It says David Sajak and Lena Savichki. There's a date on it, it says 14. June 14, 1978. And on top of the document, it says Republic of Poland Marriage Certificate. Thank you for listening to another episode of Untold Stories Podcast. If you like the story so far and you want to find out what happens next, don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're getting your podcast from. And also, don't forget to check out the Instagram page Untold Stories Podcast, where I will be posting images to go along with each episode to sort of help you visualize the story a little bit better. Until next time, don't forget to take care of yourself, but also to listen into that voice inside of you that may have its own untold story that is ready to be told. See you next time.